Hello and welcome to the Summit Church Podcast. Our messages are designed to help teach and equip you on your journey to lead people to follow Christ. We hope that this message will inspire and encourage you no matter where you are in your journey towards Jesus. If you have questions, want to talk, or want to learn more about Summit, visit us at summitniles.com. Thank you. Take your Bibles with me this morning and turn to John's Gospel, chapter 14, 15, 16, 17. Uh, We're going to be in those chapters this morning. encourage you uh, to open open your Bibles, turn them on. If you need a Bible, there may be one in front of you in uh, the seat below. Just in addition to the pictures um, or to the people that were baptized in this service, I wanted to share some additional pictures with you. In the first service, uh, people were baptized. Josh Sheely uh, was baptized and his wife, Lauren, both of them uh, were baptized this morning. And that was so exciting. That was great. <clears throat> in addition to that, um, uh, Keziah Tiggs was baptized and she's accepted Christ and um, was baptized. There's a, a community of uh, college-age kids um, that are a part of uh, her life in a, in, a, in a core group, a Bible study, and people from our church who, as she was attending here, were just led to share their faith with her and minister to her, and she accepted Christ. That was just um, an amazing way to celebrate with, with her uh, today, so we thank God for that. And also, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was at a a conference, a pastor's conference in Florida, and um, then after that week, was able to spend some time with some snowbirds, and uh, had the privilege of baptizing Keith and Tammy Stelter uh, in uh, the Atlantic Ocean. So they got, they got uh, re-baptized. Keith was baptized as an infant, um, and just wanted to recommit his life to Christ, and so he was baptized. His wife as well had been baptized previously, but um, there's some personal uh, transition in her life some time ago and, and, and then recommitted her life and she is, is following Christ. And so we, we celebrate with uh, Keith, Keith and Tammy. Uh, they'll be back in a few weeks, but uh, praise God for that. Um, let me mention this, the Walk It Out um, guide. Some of you um, may be new to this, but a seven-week guide, Walk It Out. You should have been picking them up uh, the last couple of weeks. They're available to you out in the gathering area. It's an opportunity for us to walk out our faith. In these weeks, we have been talking about uh, putting our theology in shoe leather. We talked about how to walk out prayer. We talked about God's Word, fasting, uh, witnessing, those kinds of things. How do we do this together as a community? And this guide, it's, a, it's uh, over seven weeks. It gives you an opportunity to spend some time in the Word, uh, the the wonder of it is that we're all doing it together. You might want to add this to what you're currently doing in a quiet time or devotional time. If you're not having a quiet time, this would be a great way to start and know that there's people who are, are reading the same things you are. Uh, you can uh, uh, you know, practice the Word. And so there's a, a, way to, there's a, a verse for each week to memorize with the rest of us. There's an opportunity, uh, a way for you to choose maybe an option to fast that you've never done before. I encourage you to do that, uh, to, to uh, even um, journal your prayer. So it, I just really encourage you to use that tool uh, to help you in, in the days ahead. 
Um, one more thing that I, I will mention to you, and this is something that's happening uh, starting March 5th. It's going to be at 1045. It's the second service, so it'll be during this time on Sunday mornings at 1045 in room A. Tom Harmon is leading a class on spiritual warfare. I encourage you to check that out online. It's a four-week class. Space is limited. And so um, if you're interested in that, make sure that you uh, take advantage of that. Look, <clears throat> Jesus reminded his disciples of this. He said, in this world, you're going to have trouble. Because of the fall, we all experience some of the stuff of this life. In fact, you know, everybody gets, you know, it, it rains on the just and the unjust. You're going to get a flat tire sometime. You know, you're going you're to be late for something. You're going to have somebody mad at you. There's, you may have an accident. There's all kinds of things that happen because we live in this world. It's not a perfect place, right? In addition to that, there are times the enemy of our soul comes at us directly. There are spiritual attacks. Uh, Satan is, a, is an enemy of our soul. In fact, the real deal is that he's in opposition to, to God. And if he can get at God by hurting some of God's people or attacking people, he'll, he'll take every advantage he has. And so he attacks people, and, and, and he uses all kinds of things, circumstances, situations, people, all, all kinds of things, spiritual warfare. There are times that you're in a battle where it's just, this is a stuff of life, and there's other times when you know this is beyond that, and there's some spiritual battles. If you've been a Christian for any length of time, um, eventually you will come face-to-face face with a spiritual battle. What are you going to do? And so Scripture reminds us in Ephesians that we need to put on the armor of God so that we can take our stand against Satan. And what is also true is many times you're gonna be, you may be called on to help fight some spiritual battles for others. And is your spiritual battle, uh, are, are you ready for that? Do you have... Um, what it takes as a parent to fight some of the spiritual battles that Satan might be, you know, bringing into your home, you know, fighting for your children. And, and so this is a key uh, piece of, of information. You can stick your head in the sand and uh, just kind of fumble through life, or you, you can put on the spiritual armor of God. You can be a successful Christian. I'm going to encourage you. These are not days, these are not the kind of days where you want to sit around and say, oh, well, uh, you know, I guess, you know, I don't have to worry about that, Okay. I'm, I'm just telling you, uh, the battles are intensifying. Now, in this series, in really just a few minutes that I have left, uh, we're, we're starting a new teaching series entitled Making Room. And the focus for these next few weeks is going to be leading up to Grow 23. Remember Grow 23, a time, a Sunday morning, a Sunday night, a Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, when we take time to focus our attention on un learning, understanding, experiencing the person and the power of, of God's Holy Spirit. So this series will, will lead up to that. We're going to be talking about making room for the Holy Spirit. I will, I will let you know that uh, when, we pre when we're setting our preaching schedule in the days uh, previous, grow, you know, we, we were looking at this whole scenario of Grow 23, but we also thought that Making Room series was going to be a series um, that was going to be out of um, Nehemiah. It was going to be out of uh, 2 Kings, where the, the, they came to the prophet and said, listen, the place where we're meeting is too small. And, and you know, some of, some of you know that in parts of this building, you've got plenty of room where you're sitting, 
But you know that in some of the kids' rooms, uh, the student ministry, different places in our church at different times of the week, we're out of space. There are, there are evenings when there are no spaces, no, no rooms available at, at night around here. In fact, we had a group that um, normally met. They hadn't been meeting, and they loved each other. They wanted to get together. They, they came to church and uh, hadn't told us, and there wasn't a place for them to meet because um, we were out of space. And so we were talking about making room, and, and we're going to push that back a while, a little bit. There's going to be some more of that this year where we talk about what is God leading us to do. But we kept this same um, sermon series title because what, what we're talking about in, in these few weeks are making room for the Holy Spirit as we lead up to Grow 23. Are you making room for the Holy Spirit? And in these chapters, John 14, 15, 16, 17, we see the work of God's Holy Spirit. In fact, this is a passage of Scripture, these chapters are referred to as the upper room discourse. So Jesus, remember, came to earth. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, whoever believes in him wouldn't perish but have everlasting life. We know that from John 3.16, that God loved the world so much he sent his son to, to, to live on this earth a sinless life, to die for our sin. He was, he was crucified on a cross. He was buried in a grave. He was really dead, and he really rose again, and he paid the price for our sin, Okay. So that is what Christ came to do. And, and there was a time after he resurrected from the dead where he spent time with his disciples. This is part of that, uh, that time in, that he's talking about in these chapters. And, and he told his disciples, he said, I'm leaving. I've done what I've come to do. I am leaving. I'm going to go back to the Father. He said, but don't worry. Don't fret. It's better for you even because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And he said, I want you to wait. So he told them to tarry in Jerusalem. And, and the disciples who were gathered in the upper room, a place where they were meeting because they were still afraid of, 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 of all the Jews, they had, the ones that had, you know, had, had killed Jesus or had, had, had crucified Jesus, now here they are, um, all of that turmoil still going on. They're hiding in this room. Jesus said, you know, wait there uh, until the Holy Spirit descends. I'm going to send the, the Holy Spirit and fire and, and wind, and the Holy Spirit met them, and that started uh, really the birth of the church. What is interesting, the disciples, <laughs> Peter, remember Peter? Peter is bold and brash. I, I love the guy. can relate to this guy. He, he, he could spend all night fishing, but he couldn't stay awake for a few hours in a prayer meeting. But he, I'll tell you what, he, he loved Jesus. And, and there was a few times where, um, you know, he, he said, listen, Lord, I'll never, he's rough and tough, I'm never going to leave you. And, of course, you remember the story when Jesus was being arrested, he was on trial, um, you know, just, just about to go on trial, and, and, a, and a young girl in the yard, you know, out in a common area looked at him and said, aren't you kind of one that was with him? And Peter denies it. Um, and, and three times he denied that he knew Christ. And, and here's a guy now who, who has witnessed the resurrection of Christ, and he's going, wait, I'm trying to figure all this out. And, and Jesus says to him and the rest, 
to the rest of the disciples, I want you to stay in Jerusalem and you wait there until the Holy Spirit, the one I'm going to send, comes. He's going to descend on you. By the way, the testimony of the church in Acts 2 after Pentecost, the, the, the Holy Spirit being poured out on the church, Peter goes from a guy who was afraid of a little girl in a, in a common area to standing in front of people and declaring his faith boldly. And, and there was a change in his life. And Jesus knew that he needed the power of, of God's Holy Spirit not only to be with him, but to be in him. It's this upper room discourse. Now watch this, John chapter 14, and look at verse 16. Here's what it says. Um, John 14, verse 16, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. She's talking... Um, about the Holy Spirit, another advocate to help you and to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you, and I will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. And on that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. So, what could the disciples expect after the ascension? And what can you and I expect as believers today after salvation? After making a decision to follow Christ, what comes next? Well, as we've witnessed today, the next step after accepting Christ, receiving Christ as your personal Savior, one of the next steps that you take in, in obedience to God's Word as testimony to others is baptism. So, uh, scripture says, make disciples how? By going, by baptizing, by teaching them everything I've commanded you. He said, I'll be with you always to the very end of the age. So one of the steps of, 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 of someone who has accepted Christ is to, is to be baptized. But what comes after that? Is baptism the end? So do we say to the people today, hey, look, folks, you were baptized, and so that's the end. Um, that would not at all be what, what Jesus would want for us or what Scripture talks to us about. What comes next is teaching people to obey everything that Christ commanded them, um, to what, what, he, what He wants us to know, what He wants us to be, and what He wants us to do. And the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of truth, here according to Scripture. The Holy Spirit is our helper, our teacher, a wonderful counselor. It's not the end of the spiritual journey. It's the beginning of the spiritual journey. Now, in John chapter 14, Jesus also said that the job of the Holy Spirit is to remind us of what he has said. So, this may be, have been your experience as well, that before you were saved, you would read the Bible, and it might not make a lot of sense. There are times I'd pick up my Bible, wasn't saved, as a little boy, and I'd pick it up and I'd read it, or I'd hear somebody else read it, I'm going, not sure I get all that. But at some point, God... Uh, in his grace, gave me enough understanding to understand the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, that Jesus loved, that God loved me, and that he sent Jesus to die for my sin, and if I believed in him, I wouldn't have to die for my own sin, realizing I was guilty, that I wouldn't have to die for my own sin if I believed in him. So in, in that, the, the Holy Spirit was already at work convincing me of truth. Um, but what I will tell you after that is 
when the Spirit of God lives within you, you begin to read Scripture with new eyes. You begin to read Scripture with new understanding. And, and as we'll see in just a minute, it talks about how He reminds us of truth, and so you begin to read something, and all of a sudden you pull it into your heart and your mind, and then then there's another something else that you read over here and it begins to connect. And you say, okay, listen, this is that and this makes sense and, and things begin to come together. That's the power of God, the Spirit of God living within you to quicken your mind and your heart to understand what you're reading. In our last series, we talked about God's Word, how to understand it. We need God's Spirit. Prayer. We need God's Spirit to help us pray. You say... Am I willing to make room in my life, in my heart, in my mind, in my theology for the Holy Spirit? Look, we need the Holy Spirit to help us. When I think about our witness life, the, the ability to show the love of Christ to the world, we need God's Spirit in our lives to shine through. We need God's Spirit to help us in our worship life. There's a verse of Scripture that says, how do you worship God apart from spirit and truth? That we need God to, to help us to worship. In fact, some of the times, sometimes I wonder that there's things that, that hinder public worship or even personal worship. Sin is one of those things that hinders worship. If we're harboring sin in our life, anger, bitterness, whatever the sin may be, it's difficult to come to, to a place of, of personal or corporate worship. It, it hinders you. It, it squelches you. You say, listen, you know, at least I'm not going to be a hypocrite here, right? I'm not going to add that to my, to my ilk, you know? So it, it silences me. I think one of the other things it does is just not understanding <clears throat> being open to the Spirit's leading in our life. So in our witness life, we need the Spirit. We need the Spirit in our worship life. We need the Holy Spirit to help us in our work life, don't we? Whew. I mean, some of us more than others. I work with Caleb and Chuck and Bradley and Kate. I need God's Spirit, right? I mean, what, what, amen. What does God expect of me, right? Um, what about where you work? Do you need God's Holy Spirit? Say, so how am I going to witness well there? How am I going how how to serve well there? We already talked about how we need the Holy Spirit to help us in our war life. And here's one more for you. We need the Holy Spirit of God to help us in our wedded life. Now let me tell you something about wedded life. It's glorious. It's glorious. But it takes work. And sometimes you know, the spirit is, is willing, but the flesh is weak, right? And sometimes we don't want to serve like we want others to serve us. So we need the Holy Spirit to help us in our wedded life. Look, you will never be successful as a Christian. You'll never be overcome or you'll never be victorious. You'll never lead people to follow Christ like you could 
apart from the Spirit of God living in your life. If, if you are ignorant of the ministry of the Holy Spirit of God, you're living well below your potential. So that's what we're going to be teaching these coming weeks. It's, what we're teaching in these weeks is not incidental. It's not like, hey, listen, um, you know, I've got, I've got this other stuff under control and I don't need to deal with this. This is not incidental. It's not optional. It's fundamental to living the Christian life. But here's a question. Whatever happened to the Holy Spirit? Whatever happened to the Holy Spirit in churches? A.W. Tozer said this, In most Christian churches, the Spirit is entirely overlooked. Whether He's present or absence, absent makes no real difference to anyone. That the Spirit of God could leave a church and no one would know the difference. That is a sad state of affairs. Without the Holy Spirit, there's no genuine salvation Consider the work of the Holy Spirit even in getting us saved. So, well, I may not be aware of the Holy Spirit, but let me just say this. The Holy Spirit has, has been aware of you. If you're a child of God, the Holy Spirit has been at work in your life. The Holy Spirit is present in salvation to convict us of sin. Can I say it this way? We are too dang dumb to, to know that we're lost and need a Savior if the Holy Spirit of God had not, by His Spirit, convicted us of sin. We just wouldn't get it. And... Satan has blinded the eyes of the world. They don't, they, many times people don't think that they have a need. I believe that people have a God-shaped vacuum. They know something's wrong, but they'll try to fill it with every, everything else there is. But God in His mercy, His Holy Spirit, is, is, is coming to you to convict you of sin, to, to put you in a place where you could hear the gospel. Someone ministered to you. Someone cared for you. You heard the gospel. The Holy Spirit is present in salvation to convict us. He is also uh, present in salvation to convert us. Paul said, if we have not the Spirit, we are none of His. It's a whole conversion. When, when you receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you don't get to say, hey, listen, you know, God, God doesn't have this split personality where, where when you accept Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit moves in. The Holy Spirit moves in. And you say, well, now, for some people, he's nothing more than resident. And we're going to talk about that. He needs to be president, right? If the Holy Spirit is, sit, is your, is your co-pilot, you're in the wrong seat, right? So, so in, in our salvation, he's there to convict us or we wouldn't be saved. He, he's there to convert us. And the Holy Spirit also is president in salvation to, to confirm that we are child of God. Now, you can't always tell that someone else is another Christian. I hope that if you were on trial for being a Christian, there'd be enough evidence to convict you. But you can't always tell if someone is a Christian or not. You may not know for sure, but you can know for sure that you are. Because Scripture says that His Spirit will bear witness with your spirit that you are a child of God. So, to, to convict, to convert, to confirm. Now, um, I have four minutes and four points. We're not going to get this done the way I intended. But over the next four weeks, we're going to, we're going to, continue, we're going to continue to search Scripture and understand. So I'm not going to panic. You don't panic, okay? All right? Here's, you just give me quickly four things that the Holy Spirit has been given to us for. One, to restore the presence of Jesus in us. Uh, chapter 14, verse 18. Here's what it says. I will not leave you or as orphans. I will come to you. The Holy Spirit has been given to us to restore the presence of Jesus 
in us. I can't go back and explain all this um, because I just don't have the time, but in, in, we, in, we talk about God being present at creation, the Holy Spirit being present at creation. Um, the, the Holy Spirit just didn't somehow emerge at Pentecost. He's, he's eternally existent, always has been, always will be. Um, but in the Old Testament, when you read about the Holy Spirit, he was with the people. He would reveal himself. He was with them. He was a witness to them. But in the New Testament, Scripture says that the Holy Spirit isn't just with us. He is in us. So there's a dynamic. There's a promise in Scripture that says, where two or more gather together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. But let me just tell you what. If I'm coming in there and I'm in there, I'm bringing Jesus with me. I'm bringing the Spirit in with me. And and the Spirit lives not just the the presence of, of God around us, but the Spirit of God lives within us. Now, that's a huge difference and a benefit to us. Um, Verse 16, Jesus says, I'll pray to the Father, and he will give you another advocate, a comforter. He's going to abide permanently within us. I'm going to move to the second point. Here it is. The Spirit of God has been given to us to reveal the person of Jesus to us. So, in 1 John chapter 2, verse 1, Scripture says we have an advocate. In John 14, 26, Scripture says we have a comforter. An advocate and a comforter. It's the same word. It's the same Greek word, paraclete. It can be interpreted advocate or comforter. Now, I just want you to see this, that one of the reasons the Spirit of God has been given to us is to reveal the person of Jesus to us. So, so watch this. In, in the court of heaven, God is the judge... Satan is the prosecuting attorney. Not only does that bugger tempt you, he records everything you do, and he rats you out. And so he stands in front of Jesus and says, listen, this person over here is a sinner. You want proof? Sin, sin, here's this, here's that, here's that. There are none that are righteous, no, not one. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. And Satan just sits there and says, okay, listen, what do you got now? Guilty. God, of course, is just. The issue, though, is that the, the God, the judge, has appointed his son, his son as our attorney. And so now what is happening is, is we, have, we have an advocate. We have an advocate to the Father. And so then Jesus stands here and says, Listen, Father, look at my hands, nail pierced, my side, spear pierced. I gave my blood in covenant for this person. I died so that they could go free. We have an advocate with our Father God. Not only that, we have a comforter. I love this part because not only, you see, Jesus is our advocate. He's our advocate to the Father, and the Holy Spirit is the one that is between us and Jesus, helping us to understand who Jesus is, what Jesus said, why he came, and, and we have an understanding. So how would we understand? So we have, we, we have help between where we are and getting to Jesus. We have, we have, a, we have um, a helper. We have a person in between. And then from Jesus, we, he is our advocate onto the Father to reveal the person of Jesus to us. Jesus Christ takes my case. He pleads my cause to the Father while the devil accuses me. It's wonderful to have an advocate in heaven. Um, he will plead my case to God, John 16, 13 to 15, and he will plead his case to you. This advocate is, is God the Spirit. The Holy Spirit 
doesn't represent me to the Father. Jesus represents me to the Father. The Holy Spirit represents Jesus to me. It's only through the Holy Spirit that I can really know Jesus. You don't have to wait to heaven to know God. You, you can know God in Christ Jesus. Is Jesus Christ really, is, is he real to you? God has given us a teacher to make Jesus real. Um, here's, here's the third thing. The Holy Spirit has been given to us so that we can recall the promises of Jesus for us. John, again, 14, verse 26. The Holy Spirit reminds us of the promises of God. He quickens our mind. He, he quickens our mind to recall the truth. You say, well, how does that happen? The Holy Spirit in our life, <clears throat> there's times there's a truth that we have, and, and, and it's been embedded in our, in our mind, in our heart, in our life, and then... W- it's there, and, and now we're dealing with a completely different situation on a different day, maybe a different year, and a completely different person, and all of a sudden, you said, man, I'm, here's this need, and all of a sudden, the Spirit of God, something that you knew back here, some truth that you had, God brings to your mind through the power of the Spirit and able, is able to apply it to where you're at. Has that ever happened to you? Where you're, you're in need of an answer, you're working with somebody, you're trying to help somebody, and you say, well, I don't, I don't know, and all of a sudden, there's the lights start going off. So listen, you're not that smart. That's the Holy Spirit of God that's putting stuff back in your mind, in your heart, in your head, so that you can share that with others. Recall the promises of Jesus for us. Luke 12, 11, the Holy Spirit reveals truth to you. He reminds you of that truth right, right when you need to know it. Isaiah 50, verse 40 says this, The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He he awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. You say, listen, when I'm walking down the the road following Jesus Christ and and here here come these promises that, that, that I can stand on right now or I can share with someone else. Here's the last thing I'll mention to you. The Spirit of God has been given to us to release the power of Jesus through us. The Holy Spirit of God has been given to release the power of Jesus through us. The power that we have is the power of the gospel, that Jesus saves. So what what power do you have? The real power that you have is the power of the gospel. You say, listen, I I know that my my Savior lives. I, I know that he has changed my life. I know that I can live differently, I can act differently because of the Spirit of God within me, the truth of the gospel. He has transformed my life. He's brought me from from death to life. The old is gone, the new has come. And the Spirit of God gives you the power to live for Christ. Here's the thing that we also need to be aware of. We have to make room for the Holy Spirit. You can grieve and quench the Spirit right out of your life. And it becomes to no effect. You say, listen, I'm not living with the power of God in my life. I Grieving the Spirit, quenching the Spirit. Sin, sin grieves God. The Spirit, disobedience quenches the Spirit. You need to make room for the Holy Spirit. I'm going to invite the team to come, and they're going to lead us in our last song. Watch this. I've used this illustration before. You buy a new car, it's fancy. I mean, it's one that you can roll the top back, it's convertible. It's got power everything. 
windows, door locks. You can adjust the steering wheel in and out. The seats go up and down. Man, you even have, may even have air, air-conditioned seats, heated seats. The upholstery is nice. Man, does it, does it ride good. And so, when you're at the top of the hill, and you get in the car, and you close the door, and, and, and that thing starts to move, you just go, wee! Life is good. The only problem is when you get to the bottom of the hill. You see, your fancy car got delivered with no motor, no engine. Oh, no. Now what do I have to do? Well, I want to go wee again. So I push that thing. I give it my all. I just give everything I got, and I push that, that car up the top of the next hill, and I get in the car, and I go, wee. And I get down to the bottom of that hill. A couple trips like that. You know what? I'm kind of over that. The counterpart of that engine in that car is the Holy Spirit in your life. there's people that are living life where they're trying to push themselves up the hill and every once in a while they get on a mountain and they coast down but that all drains out think about life it's so daily you say I need something that when the weather comes I can charge my batteries I can put the top back down I can raise the the windows I need to be able to run the heater and air conditioning and man I want to get up that hill I need to live a life not pushing this thing. You know, there's some people, their faith, their religion, it's, it's just drudgery. I got to do this, should, ought, must. That is not how Christ designed us to live. He has given us the Holy Spirit. You say, well, I, I need to make room for him. And, and, and this has been a challenge for me because there have been times in my life where I had plenty of stuff going on in my own life that was fairly good. And I didn't really want him to mess it up. For some of you, you may have to make room in your life. It, it may be where you have to deal with some fears or say, what happens? What happens if, if I begin to trust Jesus? What's he going to do? How's he going to change my life? He's not content for me to stay the way I am. So he's going he's to be tinkering with stuff. I, I mean... I I let him in the house. You know, I let him in the I let him in the in the living room. But don't you touch my tool shed. Because them are mine. You stay out of my knitting closet. Sometimes there's fears. Say, listen, I don't want to make room for God. Can I tell you there's nothing like having the Spirit of God transform your desires so that your desires become His. He's a gentleman, but He's a surgeon. And He will come in. See, what we give Him, He takes. What He takes, He cleanses. What He cleanses, He fills. And what He fills, He uses. All for His glory. You say, I want my life to count. 
And even more than that, I need to bring glory to God. I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant at the end of my life. Will you make room for the Holy Spirit? For some of you, you need to make room in your theology. Holy Spirit, I've been getting along pretty good without him. Don't really, it's kind of mystical, don't know much about it, can't see him. But you can bear fruit, fruit's visible. Maybe you have to make room in your theology. Maybe you have to make room in your time schedule. Will you make room for the Holy Spirit in these days? God is moving. There's some things that are happening. I'll tell you more about it in the days ahead. I'll tell you this. I told you this last week. When I moved to Niles, Michigan, I moved from Wilmore, Kentucky. I've been in Hughes Auditorium and Estes Chapel um, a lot. I was every everyone had to do what the Lord was leading them to do. I'm not. I was not inclined to run to Hughes Auditorium. Wilmore, Kentucky to hopefully catch a move of God's Spirit. I'm deeply committed to being here and inviting Him and for us together to experience a mighty move of God's Spirit. I need it in my life. Our church needs it in these walls. Our community needs it when we go out and become the church in the world. I'm going to invite you to make room for the Holy Spirit. This song, I just want you to stay seated as we sing. It's a new song. Learn some words. It talks about making room. Making room. Pastor Caleb will have a stand when, when he feels like we need to stand. Um, make room for Jesus. Lord, help us in these days to make room for your Spirit. Pray in your name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this message from the Summit Church Podcast. Again, if you have questions, visit us at summitniles.com. Now go and be the church in the world.